When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello, Victoria. Hi, Hannah. That was energetic, enthusiastic. We're super uh, adrenaline filled today because we're actually recording in person. Ooh. We're sat across from each other, not just staring at a computer, looking yeah. at each other's face. <laughs> now you can see me waist down in all its glory. <laughs> and what glory it is. We always record over video call and today we are celebrating 10,000 downloads. Ooh. So we treated ourselves to actually recording in a studio. So yeah, it's a happy day, but thank you to everyone who's been listening. Thank you. We're so happy and humbled and hashtag blessed. It's amazing. It feels amazing. Yeah, we're not quite sure what you're still doing here, but thanks very yeah. much. Maybe maybe this one and when you can hear us so crisply, you'll change your mind. <laughs> and we can never afford to do this again. So you'll be like, fuck them. But Victoria... What you been loving, listening, watching, reading? Well, <laughs> she's kept this from me and I don't know what it is. No, I couldn't. Well, as we're in person, mm-hmm. I thought that we should eat something. Oh. On the pod. I mean, not on the pod because we know I hate the noise of people eating. Yeah. So we'll cut out any <laughs> eating noises. But I keep getting adverts for something on oh. my Instagram and I really want to talk about it with you because I just don't know how I feel about it. And then when I knew we were coming, I was like, I can just get it for us and we can try it live on air. Oh my God. Have you tried it before? No. Okay. It's new. Ooh. So first of all, tell the listeners, Hannah, how you feel about fake meat. (laughs) To be fair, I never really was a fan before. And then I tried Beyond Meat. Yeah. Not influenced at all by Kim Kardashian, who seems to have some sort of weird partnership <laughs> with them. Just look up on YouTube her um, like weird Beyond Meat enchiladas or some shit that she does. You watch but, a lot of Kim Kardashian videos mm-hmm. on YouTube? Yeah, the cooking ones are <laughs> fucking priceless, to be honest. Um, her and Kylie really smash it. But uh, yeah, so I'm coming around. I'm coming around to fake meat. Okay. This is, this is good. Because... Oh so the thing I keep getting advertisements for on my Instagram is so there's in the UK there's a fast food outlet a sushi place called Wasabi mm-hmm. and they have just brought out um, Zalmon oh god spelled X-A-L-M-O-N and uh, I have one with me She's pulling over a chair and opening her handbag and it like when someone pulls up in a car and offers you sushis <laughs> It's not as pretty because it's been in my bag since I picked it up. Wow. Should we take a little picture? Yeah. Let me open it up. Are you looking really excited with this? <laughs> let, me, let it look nice though. So I keep getting up for it and it looks like salmon. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's sushi. So it's supposed to look and I guess taste like raw salmon. Um, huh. There's both like a, in a roll form and a like nigiri form. Wow. It's salmon. Made, yeah. Sexy. Now I know why Vic brought me a beer. I was like, oh, that's so nice <laughs> that she brought me a beer and it's only to sweeten the deal after she fills me with like fake fish. So you asked me how I felt about fake meat, but I've never really tried fake <laughs> well, fish I that much either. before. I haven't thought about it. But according to the adverts, it's made from tapioca oh. and some other. So I don't, it, it may taste like a sweet. It is very firm looking, I would say. It's very. Um, it looks like salmon, no? Yeah, like a very perfect salmon. You know, in like those sushi toys, which yes, I'm sure would be like, your like dream childhood. <laughs> yeah, of course. Are um, you going in for the nigiri? Are you going for? The- I feel like we've got to go for the nigiri, even though okay. I would never eat a, a salmon nigiri anyway. But that's a story for another time. Right, I'm going in. No, we're going with no soy sauce as well because we have yeah. no time for that. <laughs> it's not bad, but it doesn't taste like salmon, really, does it? Yeah, it tastes like something. Like it. It's it's got some like smoky taste. You're trying to roll, yeah. But you know how really cold salmon sometimes. Anyway, when you buy like pre-made sushi mm. in the shops, then it often doesn't taste that strong anyway because it's just really fucking cold. Yeah, and salmon just isn't nice as sushi anyway. What's your preferred sushi fish? The texture is great. My preferred sushi fish is tuna. Okay, yeah. I guess. Um, so that's interesting. It, the texture is great. I think like it's it mimics it. Yeah, like, perfectly. It just doesn't have that flavour. I'm I'm opening my beer now because I've really <laughs> earned it. <laughs> Keeping it away from all the fancy equipment. Remember there was a phase when they were doing like carrots as salmon? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a dark time. But um, <laughs> I... <laughs> manger another uh, fast food sandwich place, did for a while a vegan, like New York pastrami sandwich. And they like, yeah, used like smoked no, smoked like cured carrots. Carrots, that was it. And put like liquid smoke on it. And it was so good. But it's mm-hmm. only good because it has like shitloads of pickles and Russian dressing on it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest. It was. It's about the same. I feel like wasabi is quite expensive anyway. Mm. So you get three salmon nigiris <laughs> and then six, you know, slices of like California raw, which have some salmon <laughs> avocado and like red cabbage in it. And it was, mm. I think it was five pounds something. Almost six. (laughs) I said one sip of beer. (laughs) And she's on. So I just thought that was a fun little experiment to see how he felt about fake fish, which I haven't seen it before, to be honest. No, no. They do like banana blossom sometimes as in fish yeah, shops, yeah, yeah. don't they? It's like a vegan alternative. Drink. Bad name. Salmon. <laughs> anyway, if you try and love the wasabi salmon, let us know. <laughs> what marks would you give that if you were to give that a cookbook circle rating out of five? What would out you give it? <laughs> out of five salmons. Five <laughs> Just imagine, imagining a, like a life-size salmon made out of tapioca. Like those like fish things on people's walls that would like, come on. <laughs> Big Billy Bass or whatever you call called. Bass. <laughs> Why is it not bass? I don't know, like a sea bass. Because that's what you That's so know. unfair. This is why people learning English get really confused. A fucking bass guitar and a sea bass are spelled the same and pronounced completely differently. A Z bass. Zaman bass. Um, oh, God. Okay. What would I give it? Yes. I've been pleasantly surprised, I'll be honest. Okay. So maybe I'd give it a, a four. Wow. It's veggie okay. friendly. Inspirability, it might not just get that last point. Okay, good to know. What about you? Do you want to rank it? No. Okay. I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. Yeah. But we have something else to rate today. Was that smooth or what? Look at that segue. (laughs) Sorry, I will stop now. I'm sorry. We do have something else to rate. We have. We have a new book. Well, no, a really old book, actually. I wish for like our first in-person record that we were recording like a book that we are going to rave about, but I have this sneaking suspicion that that's not going to be the case. The book we are talking about today... Spoiler alert, I should turn off right now. No. They've got the Zaman review. I think I like to think that the people like when we're a little bit snarky. Yeah. We're the funniest <laughs> when we're snarky and you've had, you know, you've got a belly full of salmon and a <laughs> mouthful of beer. <laughs> That's what old Billy Bass, Billy Bass would say. Got a belly full of salmon and a mouthful of beer. 
<laughs> and all day long, I'll bring you here. <laughs> I haven't had a beer just to say. <laughs> wow. Put us in a recording studio for one second and we're already coming up with the tunes. Right. No, the book we're talking about today is pretty well known it's very well known and lots of chefs rave about it's it fucking massive it's uh, well again i uh, we just can't say it anymore but this this ha- <laughs> i'll say it again this has to be the biggest book that we've done right i don't know is it is it bigger than stephanie alexander uh i think so maybe we'll measure it up and put it on the instagram story but the, the book is bloody larue's gastronomique gastronomique oh 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 she's pulling out oh. the accent you know she lived in paris <laughs> Do you know she trained in Paris? <laughs> but before we get to talking about that, let me remind you what we do here. Victoria and I got all the lists online of all the best cookbooks ever. We put them into one big master list and we take the top few books on that list and we read them, we cook from them, we rate them and we talk about them with you. The talking comes before the rating, but <laughs> you know that already. You do. So shall I tell you a little bit about La Russe? Please. She doesn't look that excited, but that's hey, okay. Larousse is the publisher's name, by the way. Oh. And I feel like if I had created this book, I would want to put my name to it. Yes. Because it's become a massive thing that everyone who loves French cooking swears by. But the actual writer... Guess who doesn't like French cooking? <laughs> <laughs> and guess who studied in France? So we're going to have some fun <laughs> back and forth here. So this book was the vision of a guy called Prosper Montagnier. I'm so sorry. Ooh. I know that's not the right pronunciation. What but a strong Prosper. Name. Yeah. yeah. His siblings live in long. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. But so he uh, was a French chef and he worked alongside this guy called Dr. Albert Gottschalk, who did the science <laughs> bits. Albert Gottschalk. <laughs> Gottschalk. Um, he did all the sciencey bits and you actually really can't find anything online about him. So I feel a bit sad for Dr. Albert that he's not getting the recognition that he <laughs> we deserves. We love you, Albie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that shock. But Prosper Montagne was a chef in France who he worked in loads of restaurants and he was by all accounts like quite big at the time so th- this book was first published in 1938 one blog post from this blog called More Cooks Than Sense described Prosper as the Thomas Keller of his day oh which, you know, will obviously give us mixed feelings. But so he cooked in some of the biggest kitchens in France. Also, he worked in the Allied armies of World War One, organizing the kitchens. So oh. he's like quite a guy. He really believed in kind of simplifying French cuisine, including like the decoration and shortening menus and stuff I like love that. Him. Yeah, we love him. But, you know, what was it like before? <laughs> This looks pretty fucking big. <laughs> yeah. So after doing all of his chefy stuff, I think he decided to kind of kick back a bit and work on some books, as you do. And You've been in the war, like, well, we'll yeah, allow it. fair. You earned it. And yeah, as I said, it was published by Larousse. But there was a similar book at the time by the chef Escoffier, who you probably mm-hmm. have heard of, and a few of our listeners probably have as well. And that came out in 1903. And apparently, Escoffier said, "Quote: Montagne cannot hide from me the fact that he used Le Guide as a base for this oh. book." And certainly, <laughs> and certainly numerous recipes. So it seems like there was a little bit of buff between them. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you are on fire wow. today. I just shouldn't keep drinking that beer. <laughs> One mouthful is my magic spot. So they say that what Escoffier did for French cookery in practice, Montagne did in print with this book, which became this kind of Bible of French cookery, right? So it's huge. It's an A to Z. It's... Uh, got everything you could possibly imagine every dish every technique all the famous chefs regions history it's it's not a recipe book which i'm sure we'll discuss later on (laughs) it is it's essentially like a dictionary or an encyclopedia of french cooking uh, which made it really fun to cook from (laughs) so the first the book first came out in 1938 as i said and then 23 years later the first english edition was published and there's kind of been a few editions ever since that there was one the 1938 one is really valuable if you have a first edition that's probably worth some cash and then there was revisions in 60 and 67 and then in 84 and the the one in 84 seems like it was the major overhaul it was like pictures in color and the latest trends in nouvelle cuisine oh but the biggest kind of update was in 1996 there was a culinary committee that was headed up by joel robuchon love him yeah that guy well so we've been asked to join that culinary committee for the next one right (laughs) yeah 
Well, interestingly, you should say that because he didn't seem to like women that much until very recently. There were practically no women on that committee in that first one. There was lots of famous chefs. There was like Pierre Hermé, who was massive, a, a big pastry chef in France. And then the latest edition in 2007, the name changed to the Grand Lerousse. Oh. And they finally just brought some bloody women in. So you've got some, you've got Helene de Rose and Anna Sophie Pick, and they're actually on this commission who kind of guide the content of the book and what's going to be in there and whatnot. So yeah, oh it's, it's a little bit like Joy of Cooking, I guess, in that it's evolved and it's like tried to incorporate more up to date stuff. But yeah, it's still quite old school, I would say. I was working originally from, I was back home in Ireland and I was working from my mum's copy, which was the 1987 one or whatever it is, 1984. But the one I actually had here back in London is the more recent one. And I have not combed through all 3,000 pages to see what the difference is. Sauce so pals. But yeah, it does seem like the cover is quite different and they bring in kind of newer ingredients and they've tried to give it a, a little bit of an update. But yeah, like there's obviously this appears on loads of lists. And when I look back at some of the lists that made in our master list, it's basically a lot of like white dudes love it, right? So the ones who all rated this are people like James Martin and so on, who say like that it's always been on their, um, you know, on their kitchen counter and that they like can't live without it. And New York Magazine did this piece that was talking to some of the biggest chefs and five of them, and they were all men, all white men. (laughs) And five of our 10 chefs mentioned LaRousse, that it's it's like the cooking Bible everything you need to know about French food is in here and they call it indispensable and a great classic um, and it seems like they a lot of like the cl- kind of classic French chefs use it as a way of naming their dishes or like right. talking about their techniques more than kind of a recipe inspiration it's more of it's just like a reference book right it's yeah, not really it's... leafing through to, to know what to cook yeah exactly it's, it's definitely not that no it, yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll come to it we'll come to it apparently it seems quite fashionable like I said I was on this blog this more cooks than more cookbooks than sense and he says that it's really fashionable to to slag off LaRousse that people say that it's outdated and that the recipes don't work well call me fashionable lads <laughs> I was about to have an episode. <laughs> I was wondering how you take that one. But what's funny is in the book they do actually throw some shade at non-French food. The bit on North American food begins, I think, with a tone of sarcasm when it says it would be wrong to dismiss American cuisine as being confined to the fast food and the snack bar <laughs> and to believe that its contrib- contributions to gastronomy are limited to cocktails, ice cream, corned beef and hot dogs. Ooh. Shade. And they also say in the in the Great British section, at least in the eighty four edition, they say that the food is basically medieval in Great Britain. <laughs> and they just make out like the best thing that to happen to British food was when Karem and Escoffier turned up in London and basically just like taught everyone how to cook. So it's it's your classic French's best vibe and it's it's a Bible of saying that over yeah. and over again. But yeah, I did question if we should have done it <laughs> yeah it's, I feel like we wouldn't have known until we got it yeah and have it yeah but it's, it's not a recipe book it's not a recipe book it ha- it's a it's an encyclopedia which happens to have recipes yeah in it and yes. I don't think the recipes are and excuse me all the chefs that love this excuse me James Martin but like they're not particularly groundbreaking or innovative or yeah exciting yeah and they're not I think they are very much geared towards chefs aren't they yeah. because I found with the stuff that I cook that again it assumed like a certain level of knowledge yes. And it didn't really give you like measurements or tech, you know, techniques, sure. But like not, yeah, one thing that I made was with pastry, spoiler. And it's just like, you know, roll out the pastry and line the tin. And you're like, yeah. but wait, like which size tin are we what? using yeah. here? And like, and then it's just like, fill it with this. And you're like, fill it? What the fuck does that mean? Like how many grams <laughs> am I meant to be using? So they they definitely do assume that you've got your shit together. Yeah, you know, you can eyeball that stuff. But I thought, I saw some of them were very specific. That was one of my things. Some of them were, yeah, brown the chicken. Like, this is one of mine. And then it said, like, moisten the chicken. Like, ha- what does that mean? Moisten it. How much How much moist is that? Sorry, I know people hate that word. And also, I think it's good to say that as this book is literally an encyclopedia or a dictionary, like, the text is small. But that... But even so, none of the recipes are more than about four or five lines long, yeah. right? They're about a paragraph. Yeah. So there's 
there's no detail and obviously if they went into detail that would be it would take more room up in their precious book <laughs> don't mean, i don't mean to be mean but also what i didn't love is that um all of the recipe so there's not a recipe for every ingredient or every technique no. but the ones that there are they're all pretty much all french techniques and foods yeah. ingredient or european foods yes there's nothing even in this robuchon edition yeah that we've both got yeah there's no japanese food or chinese food or it's mentioned but there's no yes um, there's no recipe for anything no i did think that when i initially opened it that i saw dashi under d and um <laughs> surprise i was like whoa this is way ahead of its time this is insane but it just gives you what dashi is right yeah. and it doesn't it had kilcannon as well which is like a famous irish potato dish and it cracked me up i don't know if you noticed any of this or if it's even been updated in the newer edition but they'll do things like omelette a la indienne which is like their indian version of something yeah. and they do that for loads of recipes it's like a la indienne let's make it indian and it's always just like a teaspoon of curry powder yeah <laughs> and like uh, where curry powder shouldn't be like an no. omelette yeah yeah like totally. no one needs that no one wants that it's very strange so yeah this is very french dude right. they don't dabble with other cuisines really to this. also there's like even there's a there's a whole section on pasta right like there's these beautiful images of all the different types of pasta mm. but i i didn't find a pasta sauce anywhere like and obviously that is them throwing shade at the italians i'm sure but that would have been an easy win like, yeah 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 <laughs> totally i thought what i did think was that if i am ever going to train to be a chef which is you know win the lottery any day style now. thing <laughs> yeah. yeah it would be really useful because yes. when you're looking up techniques that are written in probably in French um, or, you know, whatever, like it's good for that. It's a yeah. good, it is a good reference book, which is supposed to be. Yes. Um, we're coming at it from this completely different angle, right? Because we're come every time we get a book, we open it and we're like, fuck, what are we going to cook yeah. to talk about? <laughs> well, no, we're like, no. oh my God, what Yay. am I going to cook? I'm excited. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yay, what am I going to cook? But if you were just looking, pick this up and someone's, coffee table or something you'd be like oh my god there's so much good stuff in here and you would learn a lot and i i learned some things i learned what a kissing crust is <laughs> what is it i really like that term it's the bit if you're making bread or anything with a kind of a bread dough and where the dough is touching the tin and it's soft it doesn't get like oh, it doesn't yeah. get cr crispy then that's called a kissing crust oh, that's nice so like when you're doing those like pull apart milk rolls yes and it's like kind of like basically bread porn <laughs> yeah. that's like a kissing, a kissing, kissing crust. crust i'm gonna start like using it. that more <laughs> i like it <laughs> But, but, what did you cook? <clears throat> we had to cook some stuff. I found it really hard. How many things did you make? Two. Yes. <laughs> Only two. And one of them isn't really a thing. <laughs> it isn't really a thing. But I don't mind because I, I, I did flick through pretty much every page of this book. Did at, you? Looking at, the res looking at the recipes. I didn't like read every single entry. Yeah, you're a um, better woman than me. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm very good at procrastinating and I have a lot of other things going on. Uh, so it was a great moment for that. Yeah, and I, I just really struggled to find anything that really like pushed me to want to cook it. Mm. But so I did two things, <laughs> and the first one, uh, it's a sandwich. <laughs> I made a sandwich. <laughs> I'm surprised you even found one in here. Is it a croque monsieur? No, it's a pan bagnat. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> traditional pronunciation yeah. bagnat uh, oh bagnat bagnay I think it's bagnat I don't know actually I shouldn't take the piss because I actually it's spelled P-A-N space yeah B-A-G-N-A-T yeah it's a uh, sandwich so uh, that's cool I didn't do much cooking for it but you know bear with me it sounds fucking nice and uh, I enjoyed it so I looked at pictures of this because obviously there's no pictures of like finished dishes really in this so no. I think that it should be made as like a loaf size to like take on a picnic yes like with a whole loaf yeah yeah um which is a great idea, can I just say? Yeah. Shout out to the French. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't say that in the recipe for the book. It just says okay. to take circular rolls. Okay. Bread rolls. And so I use smaller ones and I, I kind of regretted it actually because there is a lot of stuff in the sandwich. Okay. So here's what you do. <laughs> you get your bread, your round roll. You cut it in half, but so it's still attached. Oh, yeah. So you don't cut it all the way through. Uh, you take out two thirds of the crumb from okay. the middle yeah yeah and then rub what's left with garlic and drizzle with olive oil nice and then you add a new layer oh. 
tomatoes, onion, hard-boiled egg, sweet peppers, black olives, and anchovies. Great. Yeah, it's basically a, a niçoise salad in, in, a, bread. in a bread. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? No, yeah, only um, eat salad. <laughs> <laughs> then you drizzle with a vinaigrette and boom. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So uh, really phoned it in this week. <laughs> Uh, no I love no. sandwiches can I just say yeah like, I we love... have a dream to open a sandwich shop. yeah we do yeah. because the UK is bad at sandwiches we eat a lot of them but there's not enough good ones mm-hmm. and this is a good sandwich I read that you could change the anchovies for tuna if what you about wanted salmon <laughs> zanchovies <laughs> and some zeg to make it vegan. I just wanted to be in the boardroom at the time when they were like brainstorming the names for the fake salmon and they're like, all we got to do, guys, is put an X where the S used to be. Yes, very little cooking involved. Just had to make some eggs. Okay. Uh, that was hard. <laughs> they were hard boiled. <laughs> the like lowest maintenance of the eggs. Yeah. Literally, I think I put them on, went to a meeting and then came back. <laughs> So yeah, I'm sorry about this, but it was a good fucking sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a delicious lunch. Was it hard to like clamp? Was it a mouthful? <laughs> well, like I said, I feel like I, I bought two small rolls uh-huh. for the for the endeavor. <laughs> just, just get them in Sainsbury's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the two little baps. <laughs> yeah, I literally did because I thought that the best roll would be like a crusty roll, mm-hmm. but there's nowhere near my house that sells crusty rolls. Okay, so I had to buy them the day before when I was uh, in town. Uh, this is so boring. I'm so sorry. I, I don't need to do this, but honestly, this book did not fill me with joy at all. But lovely lunch. Would I fuck around and make it again for myself for lunch? No, but would I make it Would I make it in loaf size? Yeah. That shit's impressive as fuck. How good would that be if you bought one of those, like, you know, from a loaf tin? Yeah. Just pull all that crap out and then just go to huh. town. What did you do with the inside bread? Well, they weren't very big, so I just probably just ate them whilst I was making it. Quite long, you know. I've, cut, I've got to cut everything out. I've got to cut the onions. I've got to cut the tomatoes. Oh yeah, I was just trying to make it sound really hard. Now. <laughs> Obviously, it's a dish of get good ingredients, mm-hmm. right? Get good tomato. I know how I feel about tomatoes. We won't go over it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did manage to find some decent tomatoes. Get good anchovies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it reminds me of the Italian bread that I can't remember the name of. That's exactly this that you make in a big loaf or you bake. Yes. You know that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. That's probably better. Sorry, France. Um, I just feel like you know the Italians won't put eggs in it I like eggs as much as the next person yeah actually I have things to say about eggs too (laughs) you want to say them now or wait no that's just a little teaser (laughs) oh and the next thing I made oh god fuck it up um was toast (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was actually no um hazelnut chicken wow yeah left field yeah really left field and uh is this like another meat replacement <laughs> yeah it's made it into like a giant protein pot. a drumstick shape oh. <laughs> maybe that would have been better i'll be honest nope. um hazelnut chicken so the reason i made this is because <laughs> because of all your your reaction and i had the same reaction like that sounds honestly disgusting and delicious all at the same time yeah like, i'm not sure how i feel about it it really like intrigued me but also made me feel a bit sick oh um so here's what you do you get a chicken you're supposed to have a whole chicken and cut it into four i just got chicken thighs bone in skin on mm-hmm. you flour the chicken you brown off the chicken uh-huh. in like a fireproof casserole why did it as fireproof casserole dish and then you moisten it oh what did you choose to moisten it (laughs) well what you're supposed to moisten it with is a stock made from the giblets of the chicken (laughs) giblets is a word that never ceases to make me laugh (laughs) giblet i think it's in this podcast so I just used stock <laughs> that I stock fucking cube. So no, I don't do a giblet flavour, do they? <laughs> don't do a giblet flavour. So you moisten that. What well, didn't know how much I was supposed to moisten. Put the lid on. Um, but what I did know from reading the recipe is that later on you're going to make a sauce with, with all okay, that yeah, yeah. stuff and hazelnuts. So you leave that to cook. Then, whilst the chicken is cooking, you uh, lightly toast 150 grams of hazelnuts Mm -hmm. and then blitz them up with 150 grams of butter holy mother 
to make a literal nut butter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just to say that the chicken was browned in butter. Okay. So we browned okay. the chicken in butter. Yeah. We added 150 grams of butter to the hazelnuts to make a nut butter. Mm-hmm. When the chicken's done, take that out. You've got like a little sauce. Yeah. Giblet sauce. Bad so name you, of the week. <laughs> It is. <laughs> Tidbit sauce and the and the salmons. <laughs> um right, you take it out, you've got a sauce, you reduce that sauce a little bit. Once you've reduced the sauce, you add the nut butter into the sauce. So- I know, I know. Like Hannah's got a look on her face, like, what the fuck? And like, I agree. But wait, there's more. Okay, more so, butter. Uh kind of. So you add all that. So you've got this really, really creamy sauce mm. and hazelnutty. And then just to finish off, you add four tablespoons of creme fraiche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once I'd put the creme fraiche in, that was when I knew I'd made a terrible mistake by making this. <laughs> because your life starts flashing before your eyes. <laughs> yeah. All your decisions. This poor little do. chicken died for this. And I knew it was gonna be not my favourite thing and also i was like how am i gonna photograph this for the pot <laughs> because it looks like sick oh my god all oh, my stuff looks terrible as well <laughs> yeah. awful really brown yeah i love brown so food bad. but just yeah bad. doesn't photograph well so yeah you pour that over the chicken and consume yeah. and obviously not well, not obviously, but nothing in this book when you have a recipe says what you should serve it with because you're supposed to know that because you're a chef. Mm. So I didn't know what to serve hazelnut chicken with. So we just did a classic like salad and a baguette. Oh, nice. Um, very French, obviously. <laughs> I could imagine someone serving this in a restaurant mm. and because the, the sauce was like creamy and kind of glossy and yeah. like hazelnut chicken sounds interesting. And like the butter and the, and the creaminess seemed to overpower the chicken, chicken and, yeah. and the sauce generally like like the hazelnuts didn't come through loads yeah yeah I you know I was hoping to have like a, a savory Nutella but I got <laughs> I got just butter chicken yeah which, not in an Indian way which is delicious I feel like I took a risk and it didn't pay off but I'm happy I took the risk yeah there was a lot of chicken recipes this was in the hazelnut section okay. under H um, but there was a lot of chicken recipes and there was a lot of like interesting stuff like not interesting just like fun chicken roast chickeny stuff yeah but i was like no let's take a risk but uh wouldn't make it again it makes me think of when you're like 18 or something and you have a little you know go at cooking <laughs> and you realize that you know butter and cream and all those things yeah. make stuff taste good yeah and you just start lashing them into every dish and then you're like oh shit i've got some hazelnuts in the cupboard yeah <laughs> let's blitz them up <laughs> oh some creme fraiche in the fridge and it's like what like just throw it all in there it yeah. doesn't seem to make sense to me as yeah. a pairing could it have been like a pasta sauce maybe oh but they don't want pasta no i mean noodles i think they call them at some point <laughs> um <Shade. laughs> yeah so that was me huh. so sandwich a win chicken a no yeah. Sorry, I feel like I haven't done this book justice, but just it isn't particularly fun. No, it's um, not. It's tell us what you cooked. Redeem me <laughs> by telling us about all your lovely French cooking that you loved and adored. Oh. Which I'm sure you're going to do. Oh, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> That's true. Originally, I wanted to do three things. I didn't get of time course. to do the third. And also, I kind of lost my mojo after the first two because I was a bit like, meh. Yeah. Again. Well, I don't know actually, I can't really relate. I had a fucking great time with this book. <laughs> but you know, t- tell us your story. T- speak your truth. What I'm interested in is when they do these like re, you know, because if these recipes were made in 1938, yeah. absolutely fine. Or 1934, or whatever the fuck, sorry, numbers are terrible. But you know, then when they do. When- <laughs> numbers are terrible. That's our other bad name for the week. <laughs> Like when this committee decides to oversee this book again, do they test the recipes? Do they like, yeah, no, they fucking don't because this, like, I just feel like they would have fixed this recipe, which was a cherry tart. Oh, we're in cherry season, baby. We're in cherry season. (laughs) We are. And I thought, you know, cherry pie, cherry tart, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it sounds very simple. So, like I said, this was what I was referring to earlier. They don't really tell you what size your tin should be or, like, how much pastry you should have or how many f- cherries you should have. It just says, line a flan tin. 
in brackets pie pan with short crust pastry brackets basic pie dough and fill with ripe stoned cherries can i just interrupt you there and Mm. talk about how they do this all the time in this book they put in parentheses like the american version of what of what you need yeah and i just thought that was very funny and like not something i imagined they would cater to generally but they do it in every recipe yeah there's a language difference between british english and American English totally and it's fine I think it's really helpful for the measurements so it'll have like 200 mils or 7 fluid ounces or 3 quarters of a cup those guys but um, like that's really useful but when it comes to terminology like tart case shell in brackets you're like (laughs) I've got it it's fine anyway anyway so I went back and I made their basic pie dough thing, which is fine, classic French pastry. What got me about this recipe is obviously when you normally do a tart, with sweet tart, you do like a frangipan or like mm-hmm. some kind of yeah nice sweet filling. But with this, what they just want you to do is whisk together 100 grams of sugar, two whole eggs, then blend in 200 mils of milk and oh. 50 grams of plain flour. And then you just pour that over the cherries that are sitting in your pastry and you bake it for 30 minutes, it says. So it doesn't say anything about <clears throat> blind baking the pastry so you don't have a soggy bottom. Yeah, so I did blind bake it because I just thought it would be a recipe for disaster otherwise. So did that. And then... Do they have a recipe for disaster now? <laughs> disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they then I put in the cherries. Again, just like eyeballed that. But the problem is this stupid filling is not logical because... <laughs> here's why like if you whisk together sugar and eggs fine you've got a nice like custody thing there you blend in some milk oh lovely nice like creamy (laughs) but then when you put in 50 grams of flour you're just gonna get lumps right right and I was like whisking the shit out of it and I had a meeting or something I had somewhere to be I'm a very busy person and I just like didn't couldn't get rid of the lumps and it really annoyed me and at this point I was just a bit fucked off with it because I'd made the pastry blind baked it and without you know much guidance from them (laughs) I'm a qualified pastry chef so that should totally be fine (laughs) but I was just not in the mood that day and then so yeah then you have this just like lumpy milky filling thing so you pour that over the cherries probably would have blended it or something if I was working in a kitchen and actually cared about what I was making Wow, (laughs) but I didn't have time, so I just poured it over and kind of like hoped that they would disappear in the oven, which of course they did not. So when it came out, a texture, when they came out of the oven, it was just like these little bally bits. Now they were cooked and it was fine, but it didn't look that great. And I just was a bit pissed off at that. That is annoying. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping when I got this that, or when I saw this, that it would be like my new way of cooking fruit tarts because yeah. it sounded so simple. And then I just think, no, that's actually really stupid and not logical to put the flour in last like that. And uh, it just annoyed me. I mean, I was at home in Ireland. There were many children around who will eat anything that contains <laughs> yeah. like a teaspoon of sugar. So it, they it, they liked it. It went down well. But I wasn't the happiest. That sounds like, and you just if it's a lot of effort, right? You've you've yeah. stoned the cherries, you've made your pastry, you've done yeah. all that shit. Ugh. But anyway, we move, we learn. Mm-hmm. We're okay. We say fuck you, Joel Wilbershaw. <laughs> the second thing I made So you've really done three things, I'll say. Because uh-huh. the pastry is one, the tart then is two, and then the, the next thing you're gonna tell about tell us about is three. Oh. The eggy thing, is this the eggy thing? This is the eggy thing, yeah. <laughs> Bless your heart. Yes, I did make three things. Is it under eggy thing in the <laughs> in the dictionary? Uh, no, it's under feuilleton. So I made <laughs> this um, rock for feuilletés. Wow. Feuillete. I don't know what that is. Basically. Educate me. It's like puff pastry with a cheesy filling. Is it in the cheese section? Which was vast. It has a whole section to itself, this like oh. this puff pastry things, foyete. Lovely. So it's a piece of puff pastry cut into the shape of a finger or triangle and filled or garnished with cheese, ham or seafood. Oh. Foyetes are served hot as an entree. So this one is a blue cheesy one. It says prepare some puff pastry. <laughs> I was just bought some puff pastry. There was no oh, way I was going to make that of all the pastries. Too hot. Next to phyllo, yeah, just can't be arsed. And then you mix together 200 grams of Roquefort, 200 grams of soft cream cheese, 200 mils of double heavy cream. Of course. A lot of white creamy things going on here. A lot of dairy products in this episode. Yep. It's right back to Simon Hopkinson. Um, Some chopped herbs and some pepper. 
I put in so many herbs and pepper because I was just like, something has to cut through this. And then you're meant to add four eggs, beating them in one by one. You get just like a pie tin and you put the puff pastry in the base and then you pour this on top and then you put more puff pastry on the top. You bake it in like a little pie pan and then um, you cut it into triangles and serve it. It sounds great. I know, right? That's what I thought. And then, firstly, it like it does say that it'll probably brown quickly, so you have to cover it up. But it did actually need to bake for longer than it said, which was about 35 minutes. I actually only used three eggs because I was thinking like four eggs is quite a lot. To in, add to all the fat. To add to all the fat, but also like, you know, there wasn't that much. Like ratio-wise, it didn't seem that logical. So I cut it at three cut it off (laughs) no more eggs for you and then I um yeah baked it and then when we were eating it first it was a nightmare to slice because the the like middle was like quite runny and stuff just yeah impossible to get a picture and then it was really eggy to me it was really eggy and like that blue cheese is a strong cheese right like it takes a lot to overpower that and it was just really eggy and wobbly and like a bit set do you know what I mean and that texture that was the one yeah when I was studying in Paris like everything had gelatin in it Mm. so you always had that bloody wobbly texture that just like is not I don't love it and it needs to be contrasted with some like crunchy thing or crispy thing and this the texture of this just made me think that it it felt like there was like gelatin or something in it it just Uh felt really wobbly and because they say an entree should be eaten hot, I presume that then that was, you know, the way to eat yeah. it. But actually, and I really wanted to throw all of it out, but my sister wouldn't let me. And I put it in the fridge. And the next day, it was significantly better when it was like fridge cold. Yeah. It didn't taste as eggy. And you could just like, you could slice it way easier. So I was kind of like, guys, you're missing a trick with this one. You should make it before, let it cool down, put it in the fridge and then serve it like that. But yeah, would I make it again? I don't know. Have you made it before? No. No. I mean, I've made puff pastry things before with like fillings and stuff, but never has something as like cheesy and eggy as that. So yeah, the chickens ended up eating the rest of it (laughs) because it just sat in the fridge for like another two days. I took a nice picture of them. (laughs) Yeah, normally we don't give them things with eggs or chicken, actually. I forgot. Oops, sorry, Anna and Elsa. They enjoyed it. (laughs) Your sister's chickens called Anna and Elsa. Yeah, of course they are. My niece named them, obviously. So yeah, so that was what I made. Mm, It's not been a good week, has it? Really hasn't. I was going to make the financier, which I really like, Madeleines, except that you you fold in um, whisked up egg egg whites. Okay, and. After those two, I was just kind of like, no. Uh, yeah. And they say to cover them in like fondant icing. And I was okay. just like, no, no. Fondant icing. I'm done with you guys. Mm. So yeah, I lost my last month. Yeah, I, there was nothing, there wasn't a long list of things I wanted to do. There's no. a few. I, th- I thought about having a go at um, the shortbread, which looks quite interesting. Ooh, yes. And I love shortbread but only like straight out the oven. Like if you buy it, I, I'm not into it, but like, yeah. you know, like homemade, fresh out the oven, like so nice. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll give it a go. But then I was like, meh. There was like a, yeah, like I said, like um, was it like a salad dressing? that's like mustard and dill that sounded nice. Ooh. Yeah, I know I'd hate that, but Sorry. you know me, I love dill. <laughs> Your pie thing you just made, though, just reminded me of a <laughs> recipe I saw on TikTok. Oh, so, yeah. There's this woman that keeps coming off my TikTok who's doing, tries to do a recipe a day for 170, so... 175 days so every country's Ah. dish and have you seen it no but i wanted to do a blog on this before oh nice well i'm gonna get the country wrong and it's gonna fucking annoy everyone but i think it's hungry okay she made this pie that is like a phyllo pie but like looked incredible and so basically what she did was made like a like a sauce like a creamy sauce right out with loads of feta in it Ooh, nice and then so you like lined a pan with uh phyllo pastry Mm. and then she was getting like loads of pieces of phyllo pastry dipping it in the sauce (gasps) and just like layering it up and i guess maybe she poured it over at the end 
but oh my god it looks and i'm not into feta really but yeah, like yeah. just the like texture of it because it like imagine it perfectly oh um that sounds so good crispy but then like creamy you on mean. the inside mm. and yeah it was the national dish of i think hungary okay. uh but maybe somewhere else and if <laughs> i'm wrong then i'll correct myself in the show notes if, um, if you're listening to this back and she's like it's the national dish of georgia <laughs> yeah. I've, I've edited it back in <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Belarus. <laughs> anyway, that looked that looked delicious, and but whether it was, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Probably better than the rock four thing. To be fair, my sisters liked it, but I was I think I was being a bit picky. But yeah, it was just a bit too eggy for me. <laughs> too eggy for me. Is <laughs> that your MSN using? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I never got any chat. this book okay <laughs> I just don't know how it's gonna go how, how would we know how it's gonna go anyway <laughs> do you want me to tell you about our rating system yeah we haven't really decided the rating <laughs> well it's a difficult one let me tell you about rating we'll talk about <laughs> what we haven't decided so every book that we cover on the cookbook circle we give it a cookbook circle rating out of five the thing we rate out of changes every episode and is based on the book for example i remembered one of these earlier <laughs> i think this was our peak actually was sam's for tomorrow sam's. Uh, that was a great sam, sam clark yeah what a, what a time <laughs> what did we rate delia out of eggs eggs mm. yeah and oh, we, we could do that for this one too <laughs> boy we could um yeah, so we choose a different thing every time. And the five criteria that we rate on are usability and accessibility. That's one. Uh, ingredients. Can we ac- can we get them? Can we? Are they good to work with, et cetera? Aesthetics. Is it veggie friendly? And finally, the inspirability of the book. <laughs> and this one. So if you've listened previously, which I, I hope you have, because <laughs> we're not always this cutting, but there's often a theme so mm-hmm. Sam's, for example, because both author, authors are awesome. called Sam. And eggs, because there's a lot of eggs in Delia. But because this book is literally an encyclopedia, like yeah. nothing is repeated. There's no banter in it. There's no personality. <laughs> like it's a dictionary. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's prescriptive yeah. and informative. Uh-huh. It's not fun. It's, it's not fun it has it has nobody's mark on it you know it's 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 a book but literally by committee it's so the it's, opposite <laughs> of us it's no fun and all information yeah. <laughs> look do you want to learn how to make a sandwich i got you <laughs> so we didn't quite know what to rate it out of but i think we decided to just rate it out of a to z's didn't we yeah sorry we've kind of let you down on this but we just i was so uninspired <laughs> So, out of five A to Zs, Anna, what are you giving this book? Um, well, I'm giving, uh, I'm not giving a point for usability and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you didn't know how to cook, you know, started trying to use that any of their recipes, you'd be at sea. Um, so, nope. Uh, ingredients. Oh, at <laughs> How often do I say at sea as well? I just set you up for that one. A to Z. (laughs) Sorry. Ingredients, fine. You can have that um, because they're fine. Um, Veggie friendliness, I'm going to give it one because literally every ingredient is is used in here. So, yeah, there's no, like, bias in terms of what's covered, I guess. Um, Aesthetics, I'm going to give it one. I'm toying between a half and one. Mm -hmm. Like, you you probably would get some street cred for having it on your shelf, right? Yeah, for sure. look like you really know your shit. And then inspirability, it's going to be a no from me. Um, so I'm going to give it three A to Z's out of five. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so, oh. Vic, how many are you giving this? Oh, the, I mean, very similar to you. So, no, it does not get a point for usability and accessibility because, <laughs> you know, like Hannah said, uh, you'll be at Z. Um, and it's just not, it, it's not a recipe book. Ingredients used, yeah, exactly the same. Fine. Has every recipe you could ever want in it. Wow. Unless you're from any other culture that's not European, uh, in which case it has some things. Aesthetics, I've given it one point because it is pretty and I, you know, I like to have it on my shelf because I'm a wanker. Um, even though I'm, I've slagged it off for yeah, an yeah, hour. Same. Yeah, veggie friendly, like you said. 
it's it has vegetables in it <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely not for inspirability <laughs> absolutely not so it's it's a three out of five a to z's for me so okay three it's, each it's not a recipe book lads but you know we are the cookbook circle maybe if we were the encyclopedia <laughs> if we were the encyclopedia circle we'd be giving this five good alphabet arrangement yeah i would like to know stephanie alexander's thoughts on it as a librarian i bet she thinks it's great yes look at that organization i guess what i would like to say in my closing in my closing, <laughs> remarks, in my closing <laughs> remarks is that don't not buy it because we're saying we didn't like it you can still use it as a reference point and if you are interested in food like so many of the reviews and everything i read said if you're a person who likes to cook who likes to eat this is a great yeah. book to have it's just that we're saying probably don't cook from it yeah maybe. you're not going to find your dinner party recipes in there probably no so. yeah but we're getting more exciting for the next one yes i'm so excited i never thought you'd be this excited about this chef well i know but Here's the thing. <laughs> I've had a lot of beige for the past few books. And I'm ready for a new, exciting... Like, it just... It feels colourful yes. when I think about it. And I feel excited about it. It's our first... First and only returning chef. That's right. To the list for this season. Just a little guy that I'm a little bit fond of. <laughs> My guy. Do you, do you want to tell us? It's Yotam Otolenghi. Ooh, he's back, baby. <laughs> this time it's personal. Part two. <laughs> With Jerusalem. Yes. So our second episode was about Plenty. And this one, I think, came out after that. I think Jerusalem came out and it's with Sammy Tamimi. Yeah, it's co-authored. So it's... um. Both of them. Yeah. And we are... I had a little leaf through earlier. Yeah. And good Lord, it is good to look through a book and think, yeah, I'll make that. Yeah. I'll make that. I'll make that. It's just inspiration, right? Yeah. yeah. We're excited. We're very excited. And I, we hope you are too. And thank you again for 10,000 listens. Thank you so much. It's so good. We love you all Please so much. Please keep listening. Yeah. We're nice about books sometimes. Yeah, we are. We're getting into a more, I think, a, a slightly more exciting phase. By that, I mean one episode. <laughs> so tune no, in next time. You know, I think there's a couple more left on the list that yeah. are exciting. Yes. Anyway. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we so love much. you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Cookbook Circle. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review as it helps others to find us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram, at Cookbook Circle. And if you make anything from the books we talk about, please don't forget to tag us. See you next time. Bye! Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.